Rangamai Jumuna Devi Kija, Bhakti Devi Kija, Tosi Maharani Kija, Sampeta Bhakti Rindu Kija, All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. Nama Om
Arabiyatam. Let it begin. Makaha. The sacrifice. Yay. Which? Indra Yaga. For the sacrifice to Indra. Sambaraha. The ingredients. Tahai. By them. I am. This. Sayyatam. May it be carried out. Makaha. The sacrifice. Translation in purport. Therefore, so this is his conclusion. He gave all his arguments. Now the conclusion. Therefore, may a sacrifice for the pleasure of the cows, the brahmanas, and Govardhan Hill begin with all the paraphernalia collected for worshipping Indra. Let this sacrifice be performed instead. Purport. Lord Krishna is famous as Go Ramanahita, the well-wishing friend of the cows and the brahmanas. Lord Krishna specifically included the local brahmanas in his proposal because he is always devoted to those who are devoted to the godly Vedic culture. <laughs> so Krishna especially wants to take care of those who support what he wants to do. Tasmagavam Brahmananam Advais Charabhyatam Maka Ya Indra Yaga Sambaras Taira Ayam Sadhyatam Maka Therefore, may a sacrifice for the pleasure of the cows, the brahmanas, and Govardhan Hill begin. With all the paraphernalia collected for worshipping Indra, let this sacrifice be performed instead. So Krishna tells us in the third chapter of Bhagavad Gita that nobody can be happy without sacrifice. And in fact, you could say our sanatan dharma, our nature, is to serve. What does it mean to serve? It means to give. To sacrifice, take something we have and to give it. That's what service means. But generally, we're very disappointed in sacrifice. We sacrifice so much for our parents, and they may not even notice. They may not be grateful, or for our husband, or for our wife. Probably would say the man wants to take sannyas, and he says, I've served the family for so many years. Now it's time for me to renounce. And the wife will say, what have you done? You haven't done anything. Right? Or the man comes home after working hard all day and he says to his wife, she's been taking care of the children and cleaning the house and cooking and doing the laundry and so many things. And he'd say, what do you do all day? You know, or it even happens with devotees, amazingly enough. Well, that you'll be in the Hare Krishna movement and you'll live in an ashram and you'll work for the temple for 10 years, 20 years and then you have some problem we knew one devotee who lived in the ashram and taking care of the deities in the temple for like 13, 14 years and then she ended up getting sick and having to have some emergency surgery which disturbed the chemical balance in her body. And so she became emotionally unstable. So the temple authorities met with me and they, they didn't even know what the matter was. They just said this devotee's become very unstable. We're wondering if we can still have her live in the ashram. So I went to talk to her and I found out that she had a medical problem in that surgery and that the, her problems were the result of her surgery and that they probably last for a couple of years. 
So I went to the authorities and said, did you know that she was sick? Did you know that she had surgery? Oh, we remember something like that. We remember something like that. Hmm. Oh, they were literally going to throw her out on the street. So these sort of things happen. You know, you sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And the other party says, well, what did you do? Didn't do anything. They don't even notice the sacrifice. Sometimes they don't even notice it at all. Sometimes they notice it and they denigrate it. Well, that really wasn't so much. Or they give what we call a left-handed compliment. Yeah, you did that, but, you know, somebody else could have done that. Or they're very grateful, and then two minutes later, they're asking for something else. Thank you, dear, for buying me this house. Now would you buy me a car? So we're sacrificing, 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 but we don't become satisfied. And then sometimes we think, well, let me stop sacrificing. I just won't give to anybody anymore. But because it's our sanatana dharma to be givers, we cannot stop sacrificing. At least we'll be sacrificing to our mind and our body. My dear body, what would you like? And the body is also never satisfied. How long does the body stay satisfied and the mind stay satisfied? And it wants something more and something more and something more. So... Even if we try not to serve anyone, uh, we're always serving these bad masters. So the point is here that Krishna is making, take what you were going to give to Indra and give it to me. Of course, me in the form of Govardhan. Take whatever you would give to someone else and give it to me. And that's really the essence of Krishna consciousness. Like Bhaktivinoda Thakur is so nice in one of his songs. He said, whatever attachment I have to anything in this world, let me be similarly attached to you. Well, the Goswamis pray, just like a young boy and a young girl, they are attracted to each other. Young boys and young girls are willing to sacrifice an incredible amount for each other. That may not last, but at least in the beginning, the tendency is they'll sacrifice anything for each other. We were out yesterday and we heard there was some music playing and the words were, I want to be whatever you want me to be. Coming out of some shop. I'll be whatever you want me to be. I thought people are willing to, so much sacrifice in the name of love, but then they get disappointed. And they get disappointed, they get frustrated, they get angry. I mean, and this even happens among devotees. Please don't think that just because you join the Hare Krishna movement and you start chanting Hare Krishna, that this tendency is just immediately, automatically finished. I'd say the vast majority of the people who come to me for counseling and advice is because they're frustrated and sacrificed. They're frustrated with their husband, their wife, their temple president, even their guru. I have to say, you know, Iskand in general, whatever that is. <laughs> Iskand didn't satisfy me. Well, who exactly is that? So even if you're trying to satisfy Indra, he's not going to be happy. I mean, Indra isn't going to say here, oh, you gave me sacrifices for so many years, we can skip a year. You know, it's fine. I have enough sacrifices. Let my master have one this year. Now he becomes so angry, he's ready to kill them. I want to look at different kinds of sacrifice. 
And why is it that we sometimes get the results we want and sometimes don't get the results we want? By the way, we always have to have some desire. Please don't think that you can ever do anything without any desire. Desire is ultimately spiritual. And Prabhupada says when desire is expressed through a material consciousness, it comes out perverted. But it's not a question of killing desires. It's a question of having desires that will make us happy and an object of sacrifice who's actually capable of satisfying our desires. So the right desires and the right object of sacrifice and then finally the right way to do that sacrifice. So Krishna talks about in the 18th chapter of Bhagavad Gita that acts of charity, sacrifice, and austerity should never be given up. Indeed, they purify even the great souls. That's interesting. Prabhupada gives the example of what sacrifice in his purple. That shouldn't be given up. The marriage sacrifice. And he says, even though we're sannyasi, uh, still we encourage the young men to have the sacrifice of marriage. Marriage is not sense gratification, it's sacrifice. So Krishna's saying that austerity, charity, and sacrifice should never be given up. But then he says there's different kinds of sacrifice. It's not that just because one should always engage in sacrifice, that any sacrifice with any desire done in any way to any person is going to make you happy. So there's the sacrifice in ignorance. And the sacrifice in ignorance is described by Krishna basically as without this, without this, without this, without this, without this. It's kind of an emptiness. There's no vidi. Vidi hinam. It has there's no reference to the Shastra. Like we talk about Vaidhi Bhakti. Vaidhi Bhakti means bhakti because the Shastra says do it. I don't feel like doing it. And devotees complain about this all the time. Well, thinking of Krishna feels mechanical, it feels artificial. Yes, inviting bhakti, you're doing things because the scripture says so, not because you feel like it. It's some work. So people in ignorance, they don't want to do any work. They only want to do just what they feel like. So they don't follow the scripture. Scripture says to this, oh, well, I'm just going to sacrifice however I want. And no food, no anam, they don't distribute food. Prabhupada says they don't distribute prasadam, the word in the verses, anam. There's no distribution of sanctified food. No mantras. No proper sound vibration. Adakshina. They don't give anything to the priests. Oh, not even, maybe, maybe a thank you. Thanks for doing the sacrifice, priest. See ya. <laughs> you know, I guess we'll have to have a job at the boots shop to make your money. <coughs> And no faith. So they don't show any tangible gratitude to the priests. They don't have any faith in what they're doing. They're not following any rules, too much trouble. In other words, they're doing their sacrifice however they want to. So we see that most people in modern society, their sacrifices are like that. They're making a lot of sacrifices, but they're not following the scriptures. They're just making it up. Well, I think I'm going to do this sacrifice. I think I'm going to do this sacrifice. I think I'm going to do this sacrifice. And of course, that doesn't lead to any kind of happiness at all. Then in passion and goodness, we both have vidi. People are following the scriptures. 
Right? Ignorance is v-karma, passion is karma, goodness is a karma. So a passion one is following the scriptures, but one wants the pala, one wants the, what does pala mean? The fruit. Fruit. And what? Sorry, Don't pay any attention to that man behind <laughs> So what fruit does a person usually, when Krishna's talking about fruit in the Bhagavad Gita, what does he mean? That's about quite a lot. Results. What results? It's not just general. It's not like any result. You can't do something without wanting some result. That's impersonalism. We're not saying you don't want any result. When, so when Krishna talks about pala, they want a pala. They want a fruit. More in your quota. Hmm? More in your quota. Wanting your quota. More than, hmm. Wanting more than your quota. Wanting more than your quota. Oh, very nice. Actually, Prabhupada talks about worshipping the demigods like that. He said the reason worshipping the demigods is lust is because you want something more than what you do. You want something above what you actually deserve, what you've actually worked for. But and what specific kind of pala do they want? Sense, sense gratification. They want happiness for the body and the mind. So Krishna talks about pala and he also talks about pride. Pride is, of course, for the mind. So I want comforts for the body, nice food, nice clothing, nice furniture, um, nice sex life, beautiful atmosphere, etc., etc., etc. And for the mind, one wants a feeling that I'm better than others. I'm somebody special. I mean, we're somebody special in the sense that Krishna has a unique relationship with each one of us. But we're not somebody special in the sense that we're better than anybody. Someone special in the sense of being unique and the sense of, sense of being different and the sense of being able to offer to Krishna a particular flavor, a particular service that only we can offer. In that sense, we're very special. But we're not special in the sense of being better. It's not that the service I offer to Krishna is any better than the service that you offer, or you offer, you offer. It's not that I'm dearer to Krishna than any of, of, of anybody else. Even the living entity that right now is in a scorpion body, or you know, a cobra body, or a poison ivy body, some other nasty body. But that living entity is just as dear to Krishna, and that living entity has something in its original form that Krishna relishes as much as Krishna relishes for me. So this pride is I'm better than others. Not that I'm special in, in the fact that I'm an individual. And, and, and pride also that I want other people to recognize that. Not just that I want to feel that I'm better, but this, Krishna says the passion for honor. And when other people say, oh yeah, you're better than everybody. You know, to give me some kind, to put me above others. So a person who does a sacrifice, according to the scriptures, and with faith. So if they're following the scriptures, they have faith, they distribute sanctified food, they pay the priests, they chant the mantras. But what's driving them is I'm going to get some pleasure from my body and mind. I'm going to get comforts from my body and pleasures from my body and from my mind. People are going to treat me with special honor and special respect. Oh, what a great person you are. And the king exemplifies this mentality that they want to be honored among all, above all others. And that's a lot of their motive for action. If they don't get that, then they're not willing to be first on the battlefield. 
you know, what drives them to be first on the battlefield, what drives them to take care of millions of citizens and make sure they get food and water and education, medical care, is that someone says you're a great person. Like the kings would get woken up in the morning like that. You know, they didn't have an alarm clock. Just like you were trying to wake up some devotee day by calling the phone to the ashram. I said, oh, that's why the phone sometimes rings and there's nobody on the other line. She just calls the phone from the pujari room and puts it down to act as an alarm clock for the person who's supposed to be waking up the tea day dressing the tea. I was wondering that. Why sometimes the phone in the ashram rings and you go pick it up and tell These alarms that are the, the more irritating they are, the better. You know, right? right? And somebody has a uh, a phone like that. When we were in Ireland, one of the town presidents was we were going in the car. The phone sounded like a fire engine siren. <laughs> so the kings they wouldn't have these alarm clocks like that. They wouldn't have a siren. They would have people with act, and they wouldn't even have a recording. Sometimes we have an alarm where we have a recording of music. So they wouldn't have a recording. They'd have actual musicians. In Tirupati, for greeting the deities, we have two or three musicians, and they start playing in a little enclosure by the entrance to the temple. And they're playing, you know, the traditional instruments, traditional drums and some big horn kind of thing. Exactly what it is. Very beautiful. And so maybe 15 minutes before Green Ladies, they start playing their instruments, and then they go on procession from this little building. They come into the main temple, and they come up the stairs, and they're playing for the deities as the curtains open, and then, of course, we put on the recording of Govinda. So the kings would have these people playing instruments, but they wouldn't just be playing instruments. They'd be saying, oh, great king, you have conquered your enemy. You have fed all the citizens. Your name will go down in history. And then they have sculptures, you know, these sculptures of the kings, and they go in their hall of kings, and they see all the statues of all the great kings, and they think, when I die, my statue will be there too. <laughs> and that's what motivates them. That's what motivates them. So someone in the mode of ignorance, they're just motivated, oh, let me get what I want, however, doesn't matter how I get it. No matter what, I just let me get what I want now and forget about the consequences. Doesn't matter if I please anybody. Doesn't matter if I follow any rules. But if I get something now, that's cool. Goes <coughs> in the mode of passion. Yes, I want to get. So in the mode of passion, one is thinking, yes, I want to get happiness, but I want to do it in the right way. But by my fruit is wanting something myself. So both ignorance and passion, somebody is thinking, let me enjoy something myself. Now, of course, the ultimate fruit in passion or ignorance is not very pleasing. In ignorance, it's just always misery, and in passion, it ends up being misery. Because those fruits, they don't really satisfy me. You know, if you put on clean clothes, but you haven't bathed, you're still going to feel uncomfortable. It's just not going to work. You know, you put petrol in your car and you don't put food in your own stomach. It's not going to work. You have to do something that touches the soul. And bodily and mental happiness don't touch the soul. They're very temporary. Also, they're very fleeting. They're very fleeting. 
you have to have some endeavor to get them, so there has to be misery before, and after they're over, you're lamenting, why is it over? You know, so it's like a sandwich. Misery on the top, misery on the bottom, a little happiness in the middle. Struggle to get the happiness, regret after it's over, right? And then it doesn't even touch you, it's all superficial. It's more like just looking at a sandwich. <laughs> or looking at somebody else eat a sandwich and not actually eating it yourself. So, therefore, it's not satisfying. And then, of course, we blame the persons or the institutions or the concepts for which we did the sacrifice. Oh, you haven't satisfied me. Instead of thinking, well, I'm looking for the wrong fruit. I have the wrong object and I'm looking for the wrong fruit. We go to objects... You know, if you're, if you're working for the accolades of the people, the people can't satisfy you. I was talking to one devotee the other day who was very disturbed because so many devotees are criticizing her. I said, you know, if you're trying to be happy by having everybody like you, it's never going to work. First of all, not everybody even likes Krishna. Let's speak of any of us. <laughs> Krishna has a whole bunch of Jews who don't like him. So we're never going to get everybody liking us and people are going to find fault with us. You know, so we've got the wrong object. Whether it's one person, whether it's just my husband or my father or my mother or my child or whatever, or my temple commander. So it's, if it's one person, it's a group of people, all the brahmacharis, all the members of ISKCON, all the members of the temple, all the humans on the planet, every living entity in the universe. You know, it's still, they can't, it's the wrong object. They can't give us what we want. I don't even notice half the things we do, isn't it? You know, we do so many sacrifices and people don't even notice. And I was, uh, I was talking to, I think it was also the town president in, in Ireland, about showing PowerPoints. And he was saying that he didn't like presentations with PowerPoints. And I said, well, you have to do it a certain way. I said, you have to have the PowerPoint behind you so the people can see both you and the PowerPoint. I said, and then you don't read what's on the screen. I said, if it's in front of you and you're just reading what's on the screen, you might as well just give people a booklet and walk away, you know, give them a handout. It's not, you know, because he said you lose rapport with the audience. So I said, no, not if you do it this way. I said, if you use the, if you use what's on the screen as additional material and you're still dealing with the audience, so then that night I did a presentation in that temple. So he was talking to me about it afterwards. He said, oh, I see. He said, okay, I see it worked. He said, you did this and this and this. And then he said something interesting. He said, and I see you didn't put much attention to design. <laughs> I said, oh, actually today, I said, that's a presentation I've had for years, but today I spent two hours alone just on the design. <laughs> so, you know, it's like that. <laughs> It's, it's just like that. Oh, there's no, there was no attention to design in your presentation. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> People, they don't even see. They're not there. They're not in our heart. They're not the witness of our activities. All they see is the result, and then they're judging the result according to this or that. They're absorbed in their own thing. You know? So we have the wrong object. First of all, we want the wrong thing. We want the misery sandwich, that we want the picture of the misery sandwich. <laughs> Here's a picture. Like Krishna says, all enjoyment is due to mental concoction. Just, see this nice sandwich I have? 
It's like that. You look, see this nice house I have? See this picture of me and my family? See us and see this another picture of our vacationing in Tahiti? You know, there's not really any pleasure there. So we have the wrong object, and then we have the wrong, uh, wrong, uh, what are we, the wrong thing, wrong desire, and the wrong object, the wrong source of our desire. So even for material happiness, we can't get it very well from another jiva, whether it's one jiva, five jivas, ten jivas, or a hundred thousand jivas. Doesn't matter. It's not that, well, if I put a whole lot of jivas together, then I'll be able to get what I want. No, none of them will satisfy you, and then you'll be angry at the whole group. Okay, so now let's go to the uh, sacrifice and mode of goodness. So sacrifice the mode of goodness, Krishna said, is apala. No fruit. Now this, again, doesn't mean you don't want anything, but it means you don't want something for the body and the mind. So what does the person in the mode of goodness want? Purification. Purification. Liberation. And their mood in doing the sacrifice is, I'm doing this just because the scriptures say I should do it. Not for honor. See, the person in the mode of passion wants to do the right thing so somebody will say, oh, you did the right thing. And the person in the mode of goodness wants to do the right thing for a sense of inner peace, that I've done the right thing, I'm rightly situated. <coughs> Robert says they have the happiness of knowing they're above sin. That's the conditioning of the mode of goodness. Yes, I'm rightly situated. Not for honor, but just I'm in my right place. I'm doing the right thing. And they often sacrifice for God, not just the demigods, but they're sacrificing for God. God has given me so much, of course I should give in return. I'm rightly situated. It is very satisfying just to know that you're rightly situated, just to know you're in the right place. If there's any happiness in the material world, it's in goodness. <coughs> Mode of ignorance, happiness is just, just a sense that I'm bad. <laughs> you know, the mode of passion is I'm good. <laughs> Neither one of them has anything tangible in it. And mode of goodness is, I'm in the right place. I'm rightly situated. I'm peaceful. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I'm fitting in my actual position. And just out of respect, with a lot of respect for the Lord. You know, you can understand even in passion, a person isn't having real respect. They just want to get something. Like if you go in a shop... Every, all the people in the shop, especially if it's empty, if the shop's empty, if you're the only customer, then they all become very attentive. You notice that? Right? If you go in a shop, I mean, unless they're really overburdened with customers, they'll come, oh, yes, can I help you? What would you like? Can I serve you? You know, and they're very respectful. But they don't really have any respect. There's no actual respect. They're just thinking, you know, can I make money off of you? <laughs> and if you ask them, uh, do you work on commission? I'm sorry, we're not allowed to say that, okay? <laughs> you don't understand that we, we must work on commission. So that's the mode of passion. The mode of passion, there's respect for God and respect for the demigods, but to get something. The mode of goodness is actual respect. There's actual gratitude. Oh, Krishna, you're doing so, you're doing so much. It's my duty to offer you something in return according to the Shastras. And it's my duty to respect the priests, or as Krishna says, the cows and the Brahmanas, not just Krishna. That's very low-level Kanista, just Krishna, never mind anybody else. But if I want to please Krishna, I have to please those who are dear to Krishna. I have to please Guru, I have to please the Brahmanas, I have to please the cows. I have to help everybody who's helping Krishna as part of my service to Krishna. 
And then also Krishna says a sacrifice in the mode of goodness is with a fixed mind. So you're you're fixed on this is my this is the right thing to do. Now then in bhakti, the sacrifice for bhakti, what's the fruit? Prema. Prema. One wants the fruit of prema. Please don't think in bhakti you don't want anything. You can't not want anything. Then you're just part of the floor. (laughs) This floor doesn't want anything. There's no desires. Each of these tiles, they don't care if they're in a discotheque or a temple. It doesn't matter to them. They have no desires. They have no feeling. That doesn't mean that they're liberated. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to become like the floor, a dead stone, a dead piece of plastic is the case with it. <laughs> so we want love. And yes, we want love because we know that only love will satisfy us. Prabhupada will talk about our real self-interest. Everybody's working for self-interest. But we know the real self-interest is to forget our self-interest. Does that make any sense? we may start off in bhakti thinking only bhakti will satisfy me and after a while bhakti satisfies you so much you forget about the fact that bhakti is satisfying you (laughs) just thinking that Krishna is satisfied your satisfaction is taking place automatically becomes irrelevant and you're thinking how to make Krishna happy so also in bhakti you have faith in the scriptures. Also in bhakti you sacrifice your distributing spiritual food. Also in bhakti you're remunerating the priests and taking care of the brahmanas. You're also chanting mantras. So in bhakti and goodness and in passion, externally you're all doing the same thing. It's only the fellow in the mode of ignorance whose external life is radically different. But the mood is completely different. So you take everything. Krishna says, take everything you were going to use for Indra and use it for me. We have desires, we have attachment, we have activities. This was uh, reading a lecture where Prabhupada say, there always has to be karma, there always has to be activity, whether it's an ignorance, passion, goodness, or bhakti, there's activity. Bhakti is not without activity. So if we really want to be satisfied, you know, the person in passion and ignorance, the person in ignorance is just let me grab that picture of the misery sandwich and eat it, and the person in passion is I'm going to pay for the picture and have you all glorify me that I paid for the picture of the misery sandwich. And the person in goodness says, I don't want the misery sandwich. I want liberation. I want peace. And the person in bhakti is let me eat the prasadam samosa. Let me really eat. Let me not take a picture of food. Let me eat real food. Let me me have something that's substantial. And Krishna wants us to eat real food, by the way. Just like good parents want their children to eat real food, not pictures of food. Like Mother Yasoda, she didn't want Krishna to eat dirt. Or Sachi Devi. So Sachi Devi gave uh, little Nimai some sweets. Oh, now he's going to be happy eating some sweets. And she goes away, and as all of us who are mothers know, that as soon as you think your child's going to be happy and you go away, other things may happen. (laughs) So she goes away for a little bit, and she comes back, and the sweets are sitting there, and Nima's eating dirt. (laughs) 
And he says, what's the difference, Mommy? The dirt turned into the sweets. What's the difference? Dirt and sweets are the same. Okay, so you make the sweets out of milk. Where did the milk come from? It came from the cows eating the grass. The grass came from the dirt. The sugar cane grew out of the dirt. All the lemon trees grew out of the dirt. So it's just dirt. And Sachi said, no. He said, if you eat dirt, you'll get sick. And if you eat sweets, you'll be healthy. He said, just like if you have a clay pot and pour the water in a clay pot, you can carry water. You just pour the water on the clay. It doesn't do anything. And he said, oh, mother, why didn't you teach me this philosophy before? (laughs) So Krishna also, he doesn't want us to eat dirt. He wants us to eat sweets. And if we desire to eat sweets, that will please him. So if I desire the real happiness of serving him, so I should think I'm sacrificing anyway. You can't stop it. You can't say, well, I've been disappointed in sacrifice for the last 10 billion births, so I'm just going to stop sacrificing. Good luck. (laughs) You know, you're going to sacrifice anyway. And you're going to have some person or idea to whom you're sacrificing. And you're going to have a goal for which you want to get something from your sacrifice that's not going to stop. You're not going to be happy just by making everything nothing. So the question is, what sacrifice am I doing? Am I doing the sacrifice given in the Shastra? Who am I trying to please? Even if you're tra- you can say, Krishna says, you please the cows and the brahmanas. But that's in relationship to Govardhan. It's not separately. Yes, I should please the devotees. Yes, yeah, prasada, bhagavad prasada. Yes, yeah, prasada, bhagavad. Why do I want to please the devotees? Because that's what's going to make Krishna happy. I'm not trying to get something from the devotees separate from Krishna. Not like that. I'm not thinking this devotee as a jiva is going to be Krishna for me. And then I'll become angry at the devotees. Because we, none of us can be Krishna for you. Yudhisthira couldn't be Krishna for Draupadi. He disappointed her rather badly. Not just in a minor way. He really blew it. Big time. And then he didn't even help her. You know, after he got her into a mess. And then she says, help me. And he just sat there. Didn't help her. And the other brothers, they didn't help her either. Even though they'd all taken a vow in front of the sacred fire to protect her, they felt helpless. They're all pure devotees. All pure devotees. But they couldn't be her shelter, nor could Bhijma or Drona. She had to go to Krishna. So she didn't stop serving her husbands because they disappointed her. She didn't say, Oh, these nasty husbands, let me divorce them. Find another husband, or let me divorce them and take sannyas. said, of course, I expect the jivas are going to disappoint me, but I'm serving my husbands to please Krishna. So who's our object? should be Krishna. Only Krishna. We say the devotees are like desire trees. Why? Because they give to Krishna. And what should we want? We should be wanting love. And Krishna is more than happy to give us love. 
He's eager to give us love. You don't really have to convince him. What you have to convince him is that what you really want is love. You don't have to convince him to give you love. You have to convince him that that's what you want, that you're not asking you know, for something else in the name of love. <clears throat> give me love, but really I want this, really I want this, really I want this. And I know that if, if I get love, then I'll get this and this and this. So then he's not so interested. So if we do that, then we'll be happy. Then you can say, well, if I give everything to Krishna, then all the other people that think I'm supposed to sacrifice for them might be angry. And indeed it happens. Indeed it happens. We're not going to lie and say it doesn't happen. Indra got angry. He got really angry. He didn't just say, oh, how lovely. You're taking everything that was for me and giving it to Krishna. No, you got really angry. And sometimes it's like that. Your parents may get really angry. You're supposed to be working for us. What are you doing working for Krishna? Your wife may get really angry. How can you love Krishna more than me? Your husband may get really angry. What's all this service you're doing at the temple? Even if they're devotees, they may do this, by the way. I hear about it all the time. Why is it for Krishna? Why not me? I'm supposed to be your Krishna. <laughs> well, they may get angry, but Krishna will take care. Yes, they may get angry. That will go on even in Goloka Vrindavan. <clears throat> we'll go on in Gokula Vrindavan when we go there for training, and we'll go on in Goloka Vrindavan, and if we're not prepared for that, we're not really sacrificing for Krishna. You know, the gopis in Goloka Vrindavan, their husbands are not, and actually their husbands are happy to offer their wives to Krishna, but in Leela, they're not happy. They say, where are you going? Don't have anything to do with that Krishna. But Krishna takes, he adjusts everything. And he'll adjust everything even if he has to lift a mountain to do so. Make sure that we're taken care of. We'll make sure that we don't lose anything. <clears throat> we don't have to worry if I give to Krishna that other people may be upset with me. They will be, for sure, 100%. Somebody will be upset with you if you give everything to Krishna. And therefore I will suffer. Even if they're upset, we'll not suffer. Or even if we apparently suffer, that'll be an opportunity for Krishna to play the hero and save us. And that's our great pleasure, to give Krishna an opportunity to play the hero. Therefore, the coward boys intentionally went into the mouth of Agasura to give Krishna the chance to play the hero. So I'm supposed to end right now because there's a class the brahmacharis are going to at the manor, so we don't have time for questions. Thank you very much. All the way to Shri. Uh, yeah. Thank you.